I said, what you know about it? It's the stool, baby. Got the knees in plus. Young stool, baby. And the room a lot. Listening to the stew. My name is Jason Stewart. This is my food podcast. Uh, as always, say hello, Chris Stewart, my brother. Hello, hello. Andre Conaparo, say hello. Hello. Hello, hello. We have one guest today. It is uh, Stewie's old friend, and I've known him for a long time as well. Uh, Dave Martinez, say hello. Hi, I'm Dave. <laughs> He's uh, currently the the head chef at Elf Restaurant here in Los Angeles. That's been there for a long time. Fantastic but, restaurant. On the ninth year now. On the ninth really? year, yeah. wow! Good lord, Middle yeah. Eastern Impressive. vegetarian, very forward thinking, all mm-hmm. kinds of wild stuff. Local, sustainable, right? This Dimly lit, fan favorite, very soft. Um, and I guess tell us a little bit about how you got on your on your on your journey into becoming a chef. I know that you used to cook with my brother, yeah. At Flore Restaurant here in LA, which is a vegan spot in Silver Lake. Mm-hmm. Which I had a short stint at cooking at as well. Did you oh, yeah, well? that's yeah, right. Mm-hmm. I, that's kind of been the the sort of hub yeah. in a yeah. sense for a lot of meetings of people. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've eaten a lot of salads there. Like Andre and I might have been, well, I worked there for like four years, but only, like two, two of maybe a I don't know, 20 people that worked there that weren't in a band, probably? Yes, yeah. without a doubt. Mm-hmm. That was the whole function. Having never I, been in a band. The function of that restaurant was so you could just bail on the restaurant for two months and then get your job back. That was yeah, like the beauty right. of it. It's like, oh, cool. Which creates a great character to a place, too. Which actually yeah, does. Too. Yeah. But it's, then you also had consistent people that would work there because yes. they could also they play you know, the echo. Pull the weight. Yeah. Anytime. Just like Stewie. That was me. The work Consistent stew. Yeah. Well, what, what, when, what was the, your, what, your start into the food game? Uh, well, that's, it was actually a complete accident. Yeah. So uh, I was a musician for, well, I still am, but playing bands and touring and things like that. And then growing up in Southern California. Yeah. Originally from Long Beach. And then I've been the East Side for way too long to mention. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In a band house, you know, doing the thing and stuff yeah. like that. And then finally, uh, I think we broke up. I ended up wanting to, was like, well, you know, maybe I'll take a break from punk rock and, like, go to find something else. And so I, I like, looked at a city college, you know, like, so, all right, cool. Like, you know, I can cut my own hair, so I'll go to cosmetology. <laughs> like, this is great. Like, yeah, I can do that with my eyes closed because that's how I cut my hair. Mm-hmm. But uh, anyways, I was too hungover to go to that one. So the next thing <laughs> down was culinary arts. <laughs> nice. Yeah, so that was, that's how I walked into it. And then, um, so you went to culinary arts? No, actually, no. Oh, no. I I just went to culinary school for the money because it was it was free and they would give me grants. You know, it was a public college like oh right, L.A. Trade Tech downtown. Oh really? Yeah. So that was Trade your Tech's, culinary school experience. That, yeah, yeah. So and it was free. It was free. I would get free money. You know, I could still go out and do my thing as really? I thought. I had no idea you could do any of this stuff. You know, Trade Tech yeah. is the greatest, man. Yeah, it is. Yeah. What was the uh, guy-girl ratio in the class? Well, you know. For uh, our listeners. Well, went with Knives and Fire, you know, it's kind of a little bit different. Mm. So, anyways. What were the 
What were the jail to not jail ratios? Yeah, yeah, that, I think there was a lot of us. Yeah, yeah. We were like, wait, don't I know you from somewhere? Like, I don't think it has to do with cooking. But that's even CAA. I was reading a book about somebody in probably the mid-90s going through CAA, and he was in there with all sorts of just like, just wrecked human beings. Homeboy Industries. Right. Yeah. Well, no. Well, it's just different strokes, I suppose. And that's like one of the, that is the, the pinnacle. And right, you right. still get like, ugh, I don't know what else to do. Like, right. You know, just like I, that, That's cool. I didn't even out. know that you could get money as well and grants from the city. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, you got to use the system the same way they used you. But anyways. <laughs> Amen to that, brother. Yeah. Punk rock. So, uh, yeah, I fell into that and then uh, met this uh French chef that was my instructor, you know, and uh, he asked, what, what does it mean to be a great chef? And PMA, does anybody know what PMA is? And I was like, that's a bad brain song. That's a mental attitude. I know it, you know. And after that, I was like, awesome. yeah. Was and it. that's what he was referring to. It yeah, wasn't like he a said, palm I don't think it was something. bad brains because <laughs> no. I don't feel like a, a French chef would really be in the pit. Well, I mean, you know? I mean, like, but PM, obviously know. not. He didn't. But know, yeah, it was but PMA was mentalized. Yeah. It still is, bro. It's still okay. well, yeah, it's, it's a great t-shirt. But I've never really heard of that term outside. Yeah, outside of like you know punk rock or hardcore. Or just hippy bippy bros. And it's yeah, it's yeah. more po- it's more. I've never heard in the context of food, and it should be, or just yeah. Neither have I, but. That was a sign. Yeah. So he 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 said that I answered the question, my first culinary question, right. And after <laughs> you know, like everybody was in their you know like funny ratatouille hats and all this stuff, and I was just right. like you know, whatever. My leather jacket. I had no idea what I was doing there. And I walked up after him and I was like, hey, you know, I I don't know what I'm doing here. I don't like food. Like I barely eat. <laughs> like, I know that you know. What you're saying about PMA makes sense. He's like, I will teach you to be the greatest chef you ever. Just trust me. Okay. And I was like, yeah, sure. We're a big French guy. Okay. Yeah. Wow. About bad, bad brains. So <laughs> next day I like beg for, you know, some chef coat and my bandmates were making fun of me about it and stuff. And when there's <coughs> knives and fire and things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then I met Stu. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think you had Blair's for a moment. Yeah. Did yeah. you have a back patch on your show? So your so your first not. job was at Blair's. Uh, no, actually, before that, I was at Fatty's, which was oh, that's oh, yeah. right, Eagle Rock, yeah, Fatty's Rest. and Eagle Rock, all Eagle Rock, RIP, right? Oh, way RIP. Yeah. 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 And what were you doing there when you first started? Uh, as a line cook, and so after about six months at Trade Tech, I started to work uh, at Fatty's mm-hmm. on a whim. Well, Which, were you vegetarian at the time? Yeah. That's okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And then. And Fatty's is a vegetarian restaurant. Was it here vegetarian in LA restaurant. And Eagle was Rock. a really good That's vegan not vegetarian open anymore. Spot. Yeah. So uh, I wanted to, you know, work the line just to get some experience, but I, I really knew nothing about cooking. And uh, so I applied, you know, for the job. They interviewed me. Uh, I went there and, you know, I wasn't in the best shape of my life, but I had a great interview. I quoted Einstein, you know, yeah. about vegetarianism and all this stuff. And mm. But I had the fear, you know, so I uh, <laughs> did not want to go in the kitchen at all. And, really? Yeah. And uh, so the owner was like, well, you know, can you come in and just like cut something so, you know, we can see what you can do. I was like, I'm really sick. And my friend was waiting for me outside, like in the car, because we maybe had been up all night. I don't know. But, anyways, <laughs> so... Next thing I know, she's like, "Just come some, cut some uh, carrots for me." I was like, "Okay." 
So I go into the kitchen, you know, put on an apron, like, all right, Dave, come on. Like, just, yeah, you can do this. Next thing I know, blood is squirting out of my yes. finger everywhere. I grab my finger, and it's like, walk to the chef. I'm like, hey, this has been an accident. It's like, an accident? Like, what's <laughs> wrong with your finger? There's blood everywhere. And what's wrong with your carrots? <laughs> yeah. It's like, what, baton? I didn't mean your finger. I feel, uh, I feel like... Th- there must be some higher power. I don't True. know. I don't I, know if you're. You're probably not a religious man. No, actually, you well, are. My uncle's a bishop of L.A. So that's right. Maybe uh, that's really? Yeah. Yeah. yeah oh Angeles. man, we haven't talked in a long time. I forget yeah. about all these things. But I feel yeah. like there are some higher powers at hand who led you on this path because you, I'm hearing your story, and then I, I hear so many other people's stories where they just they'll just like do literally anything to get a line cook position, and they'll like. If, if and you just kind of stumbled in there and yeah. and cut yourself and you've still managed to get here, right? So so the, that that the, the, the culinary gods wanted you to be where you are now. The wow. universe I, is a plan for you. Yeah, the yeah, universe I've has a plan. definitely been lucky about that. But uh, yeah, my whole career has kind of been that way, where I just have these crazy opportunities, you know. But it's been just from sort of I don't know the way you look at food. You, you know, you love it. You're working hard. Like you can't really deny that. So, sure. Basically, that first job, like I walked out with my hand, like my finger bandaged with like you know uh, duct tape. I was like, just give me some duct tape. We do this on tour all the time. You know? <laughs> my friends like, how did the interview go? And I was like, like this, and just pointed at my finger at him. <laughs> and so by the time I got home, she had called me. Is like, hey, we want to hire you. So like that was my first like gig. <laughs> yeah, but- and that's place. That's the type of place that you go to. It's just like weren't they just a couple? Yeah, you know, they were. They were also artists as well. She was an actor, and uh, and her partner, the co-owner, was a writer, and yeah. stuff like that. So from there, I went on to Blair's, which was a little bit tougher kitchen, also, but mm-hmm. and so oh, like sure. great food, like awesome, awesome food. And then I left there to go to Flore. That's right. Which is where I met Stu Man. We had so much fun together. But I, think, was, but I think food's also, you know, it's it's definitely a passion. And yeah. If you, have an, if you have a passion for music or art, it can translate into food and cooking, it's even t- if you didn't yeah. even realize you liked to cook or wanted to do it. Almost yeah. always and the way it translates, goes. And it translates, yeah. and it, yeah, and it how, seems to make sense. When, w- at what moment did you go from, like, not liking food or really eating food to, I mean, do you, I mean, obviously you like food now. Yeah. I mean, I think you do. I don't know. Maybe you don't. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, I run marathons, so let's like that. But, <laughs> Damn. So, do you really? Yeah, yeah. I'm getting right. See these? Well, <laughs> is there a camera anywhere around here? <laughs> but, very usually, fit man to my right, first, audience. The first marathon runner's move is not a bicep flex. Yeah. It's <laughs> <laughs> more hard. of a. No, it's a full body experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm I got sure. my fucking sick ass cardio. But, uh. Okay, well, we'll, we'll get into that as well. At what moment did you start loving food then? Uh, Well, you know, honestly, I think it was one of those things where, you know, as an artist, you know, know, you're used to, like, creating and things like this. Like, Mm -hmm. uh, after I remember when I first started to cook, you know, I went to my mom's house and I, I, like, tried to make myself some potatoes and I burned them. And my mom was like, well, I hope they teach you how to not do that, you know, (laughs) and stuff like that. But once I just really saw it as sort of, uh, the same thing as like playing a show or like you know anything you do that's creative with music or art. Like when you put your heart into it, you know you see this the results. You know, mm-hmm. it's uh, in that sense like I kind of grasped like that part of it, I guess, to like guide me into it. But 
furthermore, after that, I got to learn with really great like chefs that taught me like what it means to cook, mm-hmm. and like I guess that's where I got to today, sort of. And then, and the food that you're cooking now is is kind of Middle Eastern vibes. Yeah, it's a uh, Mediterranean, Mediterranean. Yeah, Mediterranean. but with a lot like uh, we use like Eastern Mediterranean, and I mean it encompasses everything about it. But a lot of also uh, some classic French Middle proper Eastern sauces, coffee, well, right? Isn't it? Yeah, like. It's. I mean, I think my background is is in uh, you know classical French food. Right. But that's what I learned, you know, when I was training, like when I was in school and things like that. But once I got to uh, uh, a kitchen, like European kitchen, uh, I learned I was trained by Italians and like you know really angry like English guys and like right. and I traveled the world learning these things. But the, all the formulas that the Italians have for food. And the English, the way they look at things, and the French, it's like a lot different than I guess people think. You know of what that cuisine, your like Western cuisine is. Mm-hmm. You know, so sure. they slowly like took me under their wing and taught me those things. And I, when I went to Europe and I lived there and I cooked there, then I really took a grasp on it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Where did you live in Europe? Well, I uh, I went with Soho House. I opened West Hollywood. And then they had a program where they would send uh, European chefs to the States for training, you know. Mm-hmm. So I was the first American to go over there. So I went to, uh, the first place I went was this place called Babington House, which was like a castle oh, in the English right. countryside. Wow. Yeah, I know. And I had, I had like, you know, a handlebar mustache and like long hair was like, you yes. know. Lemmy goes Lemmy. to like Montana. Exactly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, like, wait, you're you're our new chef? <laughs> like, yeah, I think so. Yeah, but uh, yeah, they had their own garden there. You know, we would just like go th- a new menu every day, things like that. About and just kind of like the beauty of food, you know, and mm-hmm. stuff like that. I went to Berlin after that uh, in the winter, which was crazy. And so no there. Garden. Yeah, garden in Berlin. <laughs> it was it, it was the same Potatoes. as well because uh, did you fall in love with techno? Well, <laughs> or girls that like techno? Well, I, I mean, it's, it's open twenty four hours, so yeah, to, yeah. at uh, some point you have to fall in love with something. <laughs> you know? why, why am I still awake? Yeah. At six at six a.m. you gotta yeah. fall in love with something. Yeah, I don't know, it's a schnitzel or God knows what, but oh, well, schnitzel. okay, how? Where did you? So you were. You went to Europe because Soho House took you there. Right. Where were you working before Soho House? Uh, before Soho House, I was at Flore. Yeah, man. Yeah. So how do you make the leap from Flore, which, no offense to Flore, but it's a, a very small well, kind of ragtag vegan cafe. The, the food is amazing. It's one of my favorites. Uh, but, you know, it's a, it's a very kind of tiny little... That's, yeah, that's a... Well, that's and a, then going to Soho House, which is a world-renowned right. private club that is... Universe you know, had a plan, dog. Full of celebrities and yeah, and you and you went from Flore to Soho House and as the executive chef. No, actually, I went. I started at we mm. open. I opened West Hollywood there uh, as a line cook, mm-hmm. and then uh, you know eventually by the time I was with them for about five years, but eventually by the time I left, you know, what, it was a long time as a sous chef there. But I worked in five different Soho houses. Okay. Uh, Wow. The jump from um, Flore to uh, Soho House was kind of a little bit of a desperation thing where I was at Flore. Oh, yeah. Quit the job. Sue and I were out one night. 
and uh, we had a pretty wild night that night. Yeah. Maybe there was some police and, I don't know, bars involved. Mm-hmm. That's right. Like that. They were just gone. Yeah. Bang, bang. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, yeah and Stewie know. was there? Was yeah, there. I was there. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I thought I was the bell. me out. But no. Oh, anyways. bro, I am. <laughs> yeah. Anyways. So after after like that, that uh, yeah, I, le- um, I ended up, it's like, okay, well, you have a half, you know, you have a weekend to you know, figure out what you want to do. I went to so this place so awesome, I didn't know what it was. It was like, you know, West Hollywood wasn't really my thing. No. It was like pink hair, you know. And it was like <laughs> yeah. 300 people there, like for the interview. A cattle call? Those are fucking yeah. brutal. But uh, my mentor, this guy, Matt Armistead, like, who interviewed me, he was like, So, mate, like, what's your gig? Like, you, you know, you like serious about food? I was like, yeah. It's like everything I've done, I've I've been the best at. It. I'm going to be better than you at your job someday. He's like, okay, you're hired. Like, yeah, <laughs> Whoa, yeah, yeah. on a Really? Well, yeah. The so thing is, dude, I've hired a lot of people, yeah. and that's what it takes, man. Like, you, you, I don't really care about resume. It's sometimes it's just the vibe or the yeah, connection. Totally. It's like, wow. Uh, uh, the, you just see it's it's just it can be so superficial, or it's yeah. just that sparkle in your eye. It's like. You're hired. When you know, probably, you know. They're probably having at fatties. Yeah, you yeah. see some like you see yourself in somebody like, damn. Okay, I can teach this person. Yeah. If I know that I can teach you something, if you're malleable, then I will never let you go because you'd be surprised. Like some people are set in their ways and like, yeah, I know everything. I've worked here, here, here. Like I want just like if you see a sponge, like you just grab them because you know yeah. they'll be yours forever. And that's Bro, they could be, probably what you saw. They could be a, a much better chef than you, but they didn't have that. Well, I mean, attitude that, the, you know, me, me saying well, that to him was just sort of a, you know, in a, it was tongue in cheek, but also to mm-hmm. like, I think, I think the success of anybody that works in a kitchen or m- pretty much anything, you know, is like, you have to have that drive and what it takes to be successful is just shut up and listen. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's it. And that's what I did for so long. And I was lucky to, to have to listen to, you know, the really great guys, you know, right. and stuff like that, even though it wasn't easy all the time, you know, being called names and whatever. Yeah. <laughs> that's the way Thick the skin in the kitchen. Yeah. So when you went to Soho House, that was kind of the turning point in your life? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, there was sort- a little bit of a rocky transitional phase. It was. It was. I mean, I was, a, I actually was a vegetarian for 10 years, you know, and then I went to Soho House and, uh, you know, it kind of was, you know, like I need to get serious about what I want to do if I want to cook or go back to music or whatever. But so I remember we were training and one of my other mentors was really awesome, talented, but also very crazy um, Argentinian. And Mm. who, so the first dish he showed me on, on my line was like a beef tartare with a raw quail egg. Yeah. And it was like, you need to eat it. You Americans think you're going to get salmonella, but you're never going to get salmonella. Only people that get salmonella people are going to die anyway, so eat it. <laughs> yeah. I thought I was going to die. So House had one of my favorite tartars. Yeah, it's great. It's great. But, uh, yeah, so throughout, after that, I got to work with all these other great chefs around the world. But it all goes back to this place called the River Cafe in London, which they all came from. Mm. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So sure. That's got to right. get trained by all of them. and. Mm-hmm. That's that's what happened. So now. now that now that you've gone through all of this, your life has has pretty much flipped around. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, you know, pretty much with with uh, 
with the experience that I had just traveling and learning about food and tasting and like hearing all the theories about it, like I've learned, you know, a lot about flavor and about love and about caring about what you're cooking and like the simplicity of it. So like the Italians, you know, they're always, you know, they're very aggressive and fun and, you know, but they're very specific, <laughs> you know, about Andre's their food. Italian. Okay. So, Alec. you know, Conoparo. but oh, yeah. also, you know, he's not aggressive or fun. No, <laughs> <laughs> They have a saying they taught me uh, called uh, agradolce, which means, you know, uh, sweet and sour. But mm-hmm. when you look to a dish, it means balance, you know. So with any dish, there should be balance between acidity and heat and something that is umami and something that is sweet. So that's how you find balance between every dish. Mm-hmm. So when I got to uh, to Off Cafe, you know, there was a lot of exotic spices there and things I really hadn't worked with. You know, and I didn't really think I was going to be taking on, uh, you know, a chef job. I thought it was oh, yeah? going to be like a line cook or whatever. But right. when I got there, um, we kind of like set a goal um, that we wanted to go with the restaurant. And I was like, hey, yeah, I can do it. But I had no idea about what I was cooking with. Right. You know? So the, the way that I did develop it and like kind of change things was to take that like European notion of like, balance and simplicity and the things that I learned with all these exotic spices. You know right. what I mean? So it took a lot of like testing and alchemy, you right. know, I mean, to really learn like what I was doing. But what's interesting about it is the root of all food is is pretty much the same. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Whether whether it's like, you know, Latin cuisine or French cuisine, you know, the same thing is like the cooks from Puebla are the best French cooks. You know, yeah. like Anthony Bourdain at Leal has a lot of cooks from Puebla, but that's because they know all those things, you know, through the French occupation of Puebla. Mm-hmm. Same thing. It goes like it's all universal within flavor in that sense. What uh, what spices did you, all the, the crazy exotic spices that you ran into, did you really get drawn to? Well, you know, uh, it's, it's really, it's kind of, it's interesting in a sense of where, uh, working with different spices that I had never worked with, like say Aleppo or Zatar or Sumac and like, you know, mm-hmm. Raza Hanut and uh, Panch Piran. You, you know, lost the, me on those last two. Yeah. yeah. So, I know Zatar and I know Sumac. Sumac and that yeah. was about, that's where yeah. I checked out. So, yeah, like, <laughs> what was, what were the amazing. last two that you said? Uh, exciting. Uh, Panch Piran, you know, and Raza Hanut, which means like the, the top. Are those of the, Indian? Yeah, it's an Indian mix, but it's, it's, uh, cumin coriander and like it means basically it's used in morocco as well mm-hmm. so it's a lot of it means basically like the best you have on the shelf you know but it's oh. a mix oh, yeah okay. but, but uh anyways there's always things that i'm exploring within you know trying to find and like reading about it and things like that and, but a lot of a lot of like spices that are used within certain regions like of the Mediterranean that are specific to, you know, like uh, sumac, everybody knows, but it's not really, it's spice, it's a berry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I mean? And exactly. so basically, like when I was learning about things like zatar, you know, like, uh, well, I know what it tastes like, but I don't really know what it is, you know, but it's mm-hmm. green thyme, you know, yeah. with, with sesame seed, you know, and I have a friend that's a Palestinian, so I would right. go, when I was writing a brunch menu, I went to his mother's house and I had, uh. you know, like, you know, lunch and brunch with her, and she would, you know, sort of educate me more on those things. So, so I kind of researched it that way, but pretty much most through to ta- through tasting it. And so, which what's, so what are your faves? Uh, what's your, like what's your, like your favorite 
exotic spice to work with right now? Well, you know, it's it's off. It's well, I guess being from you know my training, where like you know, you use everything as far as like you know, say with like uh, Italian and English and like uh, say like River Cafe, like you know, everything needs like you know bay leaf, uh, thyme, uh, chili flakes, uh, uh, sherry vinegar. So I use a lot, like I call the Trinity, like I can't tell you the third spice, but anyways, because it's specific to elf. Okay. Uh, anyways. But, Caller. Yeah, oh. But, yeah, yeah. I like that. So, so there's I, an elf Trinity. Yeah, we call it the tr- the holy Trinity of elf. Like, you know how in the South they have that. Sure. sure. Well, what's what are the two that you can tell us? I can tell you uh, Aleppo and yeah. also Zatar. Nice. But the okay. third one is a mystery. I'll I'll leave it there. Mm-hmm. But, and that goes on a lot of stuff. Yeah, so you can put that on anything. I like think that's it's Louisiana salt. hot. <laughs> 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 yeah. That'd be amazing. But uh, but also I'm always exploring like different spices. That's why you know I try to more than eating around at restaurants, I just research things. Like I just got a great book called Moro, which is uh, a restaurant um, in London. <clears throat> and there were also people that worked at the River Cafe with my friends. And, and uh, they left the River Cafe, traveled through Spain and Morocco and all like the Middle East. And so they have this restaurant in London called Moro, which is a combination of like really serious like Middle Eastern um, you know, cuisine and then also Spanish, like infused Ooh. together. Yeah. And it's like every chef like knows like this is like a great place. And so I just got... Hmm. Starting to cook off of it. Portions, yeah. right? Tunisia, stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. Uh, Have you heard of that? No, I the book I don't know. Mm. Shoot, man. M O R R O. M O R O. Just yeah. one R. Moro. It means it means uh yeah uh Eastern in Spanish. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. Or like like a more. You know? Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 That makes but, sense. So I'm I'm often like just trying to like Sort of uh, when I got to Elf, I brought like like I said, like that classical cuisine and pretty much co- cooking with those spices that I learned, but also with like the simplicity of like the River Cafe and like you know my Escoffier sort of style, I guess, and things like that. Makes sense. Yeah, because I've went have been you know plenty of times in my day, and it yeah. was always so rich and it wasn't too busy, but. Maybe it could definitely have used some refinement. Yeah. And I, I've just seen some photographs of the stuff that you've made because I haven't been, sadly, since you've been in there. Well, I, I, think, I think, too, that... You do a road trip, bud. Well, I, I think, there, yeah. you know, it's like the thing is, you know, within food or anything that you do, you know, you got to... You put your play on it, but you don't really ever want to make it not what it is. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, I'm not like the fifth beetle. You know what I mean? Just, <laughs> like, yeah, you don't want to completely yeah. reinvent something. No, you want to like, do it the best hey, way you can, Dave, you know, like and put your is, little little yeah. tweak on it. Exactly, exactly. Just and a I, little I, baby one. I think that like it's good. It's good, you know, for the people that come in to Elf and they love it. And they've been loyal for nine years, mm-hmm. you know. But like I also thought too, like I had to redevelop a kitchen and like. You know, most of our kitchen has like worked in Europe or is from Europe or things like that. Right. And so we brought like all of those. Things. Like we sit around, we talk about it. Like, okay, what can we do better? Like, what can, you know, how can we do this and how can we do that? What's your experience? And it's kind of interesting because it's just a bunch of, you know, we're all pretty young to the game and just kind of like doing it that way. 
But 26 is our magic number. We got Zagat ratings, so that's great. That'll work. Nice. Yeah. Congratulations. Well, yeah, thank you. Yeah. Well deserved. Yeah. When, uh, when, when you were at Soho, what, what, kind of, what kind of celebrity encounters did you run into? Uh, you we, when we were talking before we were recording, you said that Alton Brown would come in. Yeah, well, it was. Um, well, what, what was it like cooking for Alton Brown? Well, I think I made his bow tie spin. Hopefully, but, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, boop, 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 boop. Uh, yeah. He like yeah came off the table a little bit. But, <laughs> yeah, it was one of those things where um, you know you get that whole West Hollywood aspect to it, which is really great. I mean, I never really understood it living on the east side for so long yeah i mean i've I've been to soho house a lot of times and i still am just like i don't belong here what am i doing here i'm not one of these people well i mean i I walked up those stairs every day thinking the same exact thing but (laughs) then but then no when you when you you know serving you know uh whatever susan sarandon you're like celebrities they're just like us they complain (laughs) about their food yeah but no, it's a. Uh, I guess what was cool about working like uh, in that environment, you know, with you know doing the Oscars and the Emmys and all yeah, these things. Whenever they things, had like, special events there, there'd always be a good spread. Yeah, I mean, it, it's the same thing, you know, that I was, you know, I learned is this is simple food, and sometimes you know it's kind of cool. Like, I think that without places like that, you know, maybe people who who they wouldn't be exposed to that you know like to like nice like rustic like cuisine you know and like simple like so uh, food is is not fancy food at all by any means you know it's not like hey you need like one leaf of like micro cilantro on like two ounces of halibut like and then (laughs) there's no tweezers involved yeah i've worked with tom calico with tweezers and that's cool but those should only be used for ice. Anyway. <laughs> but. Well, I feel like the opportunity of a place like that, without trying to judge it, I've never yeah. been, and without judging the clientele, but with that caliber of a restaurant, you're given the ability to use ingredients that are of such a high grade and high quality. Yeah, that's that you wouldn't at true. a lot of smaller restaurants, you know, when you're trying to right, right. like emphasize things like right. stone crab and, and a lot of really high end stuff that you don't get to play with in the kitchen. When there's a billion dollar corporation yeah. behind it that exactly. is paying but for everything, there's no as like opposed to an owner operated, really sincere business, it's like we can't let anything spoil. We can't do that. If we yeah. don't get the cheap radishes, an, we're not gonna make rent this month. There's an thing. opulence to it that that's, is exciting. Completely true, and and I guess you know it would like my you know my the thing that I love of like going back to um, you know like a, a restaurant environment you know and even like I think that's more part of you know my character and the way that I yeah. love to cook like yeah you know, at Elf we don't have freezers we don't have space for even the stuff we get from the farmers market down the right. street like you know we have to buy like from our farmers or we go to the bakery next door like day by day because we just can't, you know, we are not that big. Mm-hmm. Also too, you know, the, on the flip side is when you're going to put, you know, I, I say like simple food is really hard to do. You know, it's, if you Always. only, if you only have three things on the, on the plate, you know, those have to be perfect. You know, it's, it's like a, like a good haircut. From yeah. sourcing to preparation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course. They of have course. to be the best. Like, and they have if to you, if you go perfect. to your barber and you're like, hey, just make it shorter. But, you know, they like 
take your hair off. Like I told you to do one thing, <laughs> and you can't do it right. You know. Yeah. Yeah. You you too. expect perfection. Yeah. Like with 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 the small restaurant, you get to have sort of that intimacy with the customer. You know, and and also too in a place like Elf, you know, with with the spices and the flavors that we use, it's a lot of like I said, like alchemy. You know, a lot of like manipulating your palate to basically like. Uh, familiarity within those things, you know. So like, I can't, I can't say bye, you know, like, um, you know, whatever. Like, it, maybe in a restaurant that serves meat, you know, like, you know, you get a nice piece of halibut, you know, make a beurre blanc and put some asparagus on it, like, bang, thirty five dollars. You know right. what I mean? But mm-hmm. in a small restaurant, like where you're really like thinking about the food, like you get the greatest things you can possibly get. You know, and then you have to manipulate those flavors and like, bang, that's a great dish. You know, yeah. so it's it's two different ways about it too. But also too, it depends on on who's coming into the restaurant. You know, like certain you know people that are when we would throw an Oscar party at Soho House. Like, I don't really think that you know Kobe Bryant really cares about you know what quality of Parmesan we have. Oh, it's flash. <clears throat> you know, a lot of getting, flash. Like right. you know, <clears throat> surrounded by weird you know i don't know who else other celebrities i want to see some gold flake or something mm, yeah. yeah you know and, and, but in the Ice sense sculptures. too like you know that's the difference between the two like cotton candy yeah <laughs> that's good well i mean i mean that kind of cooking is exact i mean and also i think that's getting more more and more popular every day yeah and I, and the the kobe bryant's of the world are becoming more more hip to that style. Well, yeah, I just read an article about about him today about how he uh, bone broth. Bone broth. Yeah, you read the bone broth article. Mm-hmm. What was that in? I don't know, but bone broth is like super hot right now. Mm. And he and Kobe Bryant swears by it as for, a health food. As a health food, yes. yeah. It, it's like a his healing and you know like recovery time yeah. has been helped out greatly from. Now, does he do chicken or beef? Because I've heard of both. I don't, I don't know. I think beef. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's probably beef because there's more marrow. Yeah, marrow. I think beef, beef seems yeah. to be the one that's popular. But there like, was yeah. a health food craze for chicken broth too. That was like basically boiling down chicken bones for like 24 hours, 36 hours, mm-hmm. um, and then using that as just basically like a, a dietary supplement. But yeah, I mean, they're, they're saying the same thing about the beef. Like, you have to, at least 12 hours yeah. to really get all this stuff out of there. But then also, you know, the same for vegetables. Yeah. Like, there's that Korean place at the farmer's markets that has the the vegetable Dave's broth. Gourmet. Yeah, yeah. And like Dave's Gourmet Korean food. That's a super that's right. good... The vegetable just a broth veg- Like, a very amazing. nourishing, vitamin-enriched, yeah. mineral-packed vegetable broth. But uh, I don't, do you think the bone broth is going to last? Uh, well, I mean, because it's very buzzworthy right now. Yeah, well, we'll see what happens with Kobe Bryant, but then maybe it dies after. His, Have you ever yeah. had like a like a sixteen ounce Starbucks cup filled with bone broth and just drank that? No, I, I don't. I don't really drink coffee, but maybe. But what about bone broth? I mean, like, would you sit, like would you like just sip bone broth like a like a cup of tea? Well, I you know there was there was a point when I was a kid. I remember like having bones and and sucking the marrow out of them, mm. but thinking that that was really wrong. Until years and years later, I was yeah. at Soho House and we had bone marrow, yeah, yeah, God's butter, and I was like, 
Wait a minute, I was right all the time. I've <laughs> <laughs> been doing this for 30 years. Yeah, exactly. It just seems wrong. Yeah. I mean, because you're just kind of eating straight fat, you know. But also, too, you have to look at into, well, for your health, yeah, of course. But actually, <clears throat> fat is not really yeah. that But there's bad. good and bad. Fat. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But there's also new studies, too, about fat that it's actually like necessary for, you know, your body because it helps to stimulate brain function. Yeah, so that's the, the yeah, conduit yeah. of your synapses is, yeah. is fat. Yeah. Mm. But not processed or manufactured like you would find in... Of course not. Naturally occurring fat. Yes. That's why back Absolutely. in the back in the day when we were just eating twigs off the ground, we are all dum-dums. But when you're using like a rendered fat, even if it's like from a vegetable source, that's not going to be anything anywhere near as healthy as something like what you're talking about, spilling yeah. a bone and, and taking marrow out, which right. is containing a lot more nutrients from all sources as opposed to distilling, distilling basically like a cooking fat, which well, yeah. has very little nutritional value. Right, right, right. Right, it's, it has to be a naturally occurring fat like you're eating off of an animal. Fish. Or fish. fish. Being like basically, I think, most people's go-to big omega fats, which mm-hmm. are very healthy and couldn't but be more But is it also too, um, too many omegas is also not good for you, right? There's different omegas. You just can't win. Well, yeah. it's different omegas, but also I think it also speaks to moderation. It's like right. moderation, knowing amounts, and also knowing source. Yeah. Right? So I think all those things combined is what... Builds the so like a fish fillet wrapped in a chicken nugget, like is right. that between good? two buttered buns, yeah. two buttered biscuits, <laughs> is not the amount of fats you want to be okay. using. Okay, I get it. So Thousand Island, uh, that's not a good source of fat. I, I didn't say that. Great source of fat. <laughs> I didn't say that. It's not a good source. It's a great source of fat. So ideally, if we keep technologically advancing all of these things and figuring out more, we could be getting smarter and smarter, or we could be increasing our brain function, like that Scarlett Johansson movie. A hundred percent brain function, <laughs> easy. Like uh, we, they say, human beings use like a very small percentage of their brain yeah, potential, n- right? Yeah, not me. Other humans. <laughs> yeah. I'm, like, I'm like it. Present company excluded. Sixty-eight percent. But time. it's like three or ten or so, you know, like a small percentage. I think it's yeah. It's like if we seven, just figure out a way to, to to dial in our our fat intake. I mean, I guess like. You know, nut jobs have been sucking down fish oil for decades at this point. Yes. But maybe there's just a way to figure out a better way. I am. Get get it up a couple clicks. I am barely a half decent cook, much less even close to being a scientist. Well, obviously, it's not up to to anybody in this room. But, but, you know, there's there's Elon Musk's and there's people making Soylent and there's a lot of crazy developments in food technology. Soylent is such a weird concept to me. Yes. Do you know about Soylent? No, I have, I have no idea what that is. It's uh, this 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 guy. Is it like a podcast or? <laughs> <laughs> Started as a Kickstarter. It's the one thing that's not a podcast. Okay. It's very Silicon Valley. It's like a Silicon Valley guy who's like a crazy workaholic, and he like he's a I think he's a programmer. And um, he didn't successful. Didn't want and to be eating food. It's this concept of like where people get annoyed they have to eat. And I've met okay, some yeah. people in college. Yeah, like, oh, I I've, 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 I've been there eat. as well. Yeah, like, I can't relate at all. Ugh. So he was like, you know, eating is I'm, the only thing I really. All have. I want to do is program. All I want to do is program. All I do, want to do is hit keystrokes. So he set out to figure out the exact proportion of of food that you need. You know, your 
to, uh, to your survive. protein yeah. to your carbohydrate to your fat level. I think those are right. the three, right? Carbs, mm-hmm. protein, and fat. Mm-hmm. And so whatever, and all the vitamins, however, it's broken. Else. Yeah, and then the essential vitamins you would need as well. Um, and how to synthesize that. And what it comes out as, and I think it was started as a Kickstarter, and there's multiple companies making it, but it turns into what's similar to a pancake batter, is how I've heard it most commonly uh. described. So it's like a kind of a thick pancake batter style. And they, they named it Soylent, basically after Soylent Green, I think, mm-hmm. is the idea. But you basically mix this. It's a bold up, move, calling it's, it. It's 2,000 or 2,200 calories exactly. Proportion mm-hmm. three times yeah. a day, and you just sip out of it from a bottle throughout the day. You never have to eat. You have it just kind of tastes like, sounds, it just uh, tastes like whatever. Yeah. It keeps your glycemic index perfect, so you're not having dips or swings. You're sipping this thing at different times. I'm sure they have like a little buzzer on their smartwatch that tells them when to sip <laughs> the soylent. Yeah, and that's it. It has no taste other than I sometimes slightly sweet described. Yeah. Again, like but, I mean, don't, don't you think also, too, that, I don't know, food is something that is a part of life you should enjoy? One thousand percent. Oh, yeah. Of course. More. But I think that speaks also to a brain that, you know, when we're speaking about passion and art, and I'm not saying there's an art in programming, yeah. but I think it's a, it's a function on of another course. level that's finding your passion or what excites you in a way that isn't... Um, for lack of a better description, more romantic in the taste and touch. It's yeah. much more cerebral when you're looking at code and working on right. a computer, right? Where you're projecting some kind of reality and creating that, yeah. as opposed to really getting excited about seeing something born from the ground right. in a farm, brought to a table, yeah. and then transformed into something else. And I, I think uh, one thing I've is kind of been on my radar, I guess, too, about especially in California. Like coming back from Europe, or and I worked in New York after. Del Taco. Yeah, Del Taco. Oh God, <laughs> I, I wrote a song about it. It's great. <laughs> That's our you wrote a song about Del Taco. Oh yeah, yeah. All right. After you talk, yeah. We after need to you hear say this whatever. Story. Del Taco. Very you say, you want to hear my Del Taco rap later? I'm okay. All whatever that. less important thing you're about to say right now, yeah. get it done with, and then we move on to Del Taco. This is gonna <laughs> be a <Yeah>. newer. <laughs> Sorry, go uh, ahead. But New York. yeah, uh, I don't. It's a it's a thing I noticed too. Like. Uh, within, um, I don't know, I guess in the country as a whole, but with more dietary restrictions, you know, that people are having with, you know, gluten-free and things like that. And there's a lot of science that kind of disproves those things, but also, like, I I do think that everybody's entitled entitled to have their own diet, you know? Absolutely. Maybe necessarily it's not my diet or your diet, but I think... You don't want them to cook for you. But you can respect what no, they want to eat, no. right? I, I, mean, I mean, like honestly, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't really, I don't like to have rules on the things I eat, you know, because it's something in life I feel like should, you know, you should just eat whatever you want, whether it's yeah. a cracker or it's, you know, I don't know, a fish eye. But at the same time, too, like arrogance, yeah. Well, but uh, <laughs> R.I.P. But I think too, like uh, it's a, been a growing trend of people within, uh, you know, cuisine needing more, like you know, gluten free and like things like this and vegan and stuff like that, which has been around for a long time. Yeah. But dealing with that, like as a chef and stuff, and I'm sure you know, as you guys all know, within food, it's it's sort of a, a like a growing trend, you know. And but I think also too, those people, like people that have those sort of dietary parts of their life need to eat good food you know what i mean mm-hmm. and there's specific things that i you know i do to 
to make sure that the people that have those, you know, restrictions or whatever about, about, uh, you know, their diet that tastes good. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And like, I think, I think that's a big thing we could all relate to. You know what I mean? Like if you're going to go eat or you're going to make food for anybody, you should make it good yeah, it's know, fun. in that sense too. Yeah, it's I was, been I, kind of a struggle. You know? I was, I was listening to an interview with Brooks Headley. Do you know who that is? No. He's like a, He's a pastry chef in New York, and he just wrote. A, he, he used to be in Born Against. Yeah. Right. Oh, okay. And uh, and he wrote a cookbook recently that that Chris got me. But uh, he's, dessert cookbook, right? Yeah, dessert cookbook. I'll, you know, it's right over there. But he was saying like he comes from a vegetarian and vegan background, and because of that, it whenever somebody comes into the restaurant and he he's at Del at Del Posto, which is very super high end, right. super you know do whatever the customer wants thing like all about the service and whenever he sees on the ticket like allergic to peanuts can't eat sugar you know afraid of lemons whatever like all right. the crazy restrictions he looks at that as a welcome and exciting challenge yeah. instead of a burden yeah. because you're like oh i'm like 20 tickets deep and i really don't have time to make this fucking guy's peanut allergy dream come true if you if you look at it in the way of like this guy, whenever he goes to a restaurant, his meal sucks dick because yeah. he's like, hey, I'm vegan well, and I'm allergic to peanuts and I yeah. can't eat avocados and I can't do this. So they just like, here's a bowl of, the, uh, you know, whatever. But if you like really take an extra minute to try and wow again. them yeah. with like an awesome dish that yeah. they've never had before and like somebody is going out of their way to make sure my, like they didn't ask for all these restrictions in their life. Right. Yeah, some of, of them did. Of course, I mean, I it, it's it's kind of like you know, it's a fine line. You know, there's certain things where, say, for instance, you know, like at Soho House, there was like this big allergy initiative where like we had you know some famous person you know was allergic to peanuts and somebody didn't know and they almost had to go to the hospital and then mm -hmm. they won a Grammy for the best record the next day and then you know I didn't know it was there blah blah anyways, <laughs> but like. You know, you can't really kill a Grammy Award winning artist because, right. you know, you forgot. Yeah. Shout out Shaggy. Anyways, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, I, I, think about, I think about the peanut thing a lot because I remember, like, I'll look at old old videos, like this TV show, Great Chefs, like yeah. a PBS show. Yeah. And it's like, in the from the 80s, like, not within our lifetime. Yeah. It's not like decades or centuries ago. It's like... From when we were alive on this earth, maybe 10, 20 years ago, everything was fried in peanut oil yeah. because it's the best thing to fry stuff in. And every chef at every restaurant fries everything in peanut oil because it's the best. Yeah. And, point. and now, mm -hmm. completely abolished. Never happens anywhere because of... Well, that has to do with, I think, people's diets growing up and they develop allergies. You know sure. what I mean? That's a no-brainer. Because of eating processed foods and other things like that. You know, that's part of our generation mm -hmm. is those allergies. But also, too, like, what I'm saying is, you know, the growth within, like, that part of cuisine is, is uh, you know, it's a little bit, it's a little bit difficult because, you know, I, as a chef, I don't want to compromise, you know, cuisine for any certain person you know what i mean so if i can't make a dish as good as i possibly can for someone who is gluten-free or vegan or whatever like i just won't do it mm -hmm. you know because I, don't, I want them to get what they pay for 
You know so if I mean? they say like this sounds really good, can you make it gluten free for me? And, and if, it's, you- if it's if it compromises the plate, yeah, of course I'm not going to do it because I mean the same thing too is like I can't offer you you know the best thing you know I can give you. But that being said, also too as someone who doesn't you know really eat that way, but I'll specifically make dishes like that can be done that way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because I think that everybody deserves to eat well. Yeah. But also at the same time too, if you were in, you know, a you know, a great kitchen like, you know, in France in eighty eight, you know, whatever with Marco Pierre White, like would you be like, Oh, I'm gluten free, can I get that this way? You know, like or can I right. you know, like some yeah. some restaurants have like no alterations, things like that. Oh, yeah. And like I understand that. And yeah, like, they would, it's in, cool. in '88, they would just laugh at you. Yeah, exactly. Parts of the world but would laugh at you, it's, it's, I think it's yeah. it's it's a part of like a fine line between chefs, like trying to represent your art. It's like you don't go, you know, buy a car and be like, "Can I have this car with three tires on it?" Like right. I don't know. But we like, also too. I mean, food is so intrinsically regional. Yeah. And just in that same way, we live in Los Angeles, which you can't necessarily define a regional cuisine to, but you can mention cultural trends in Los yeah. Angeles and and it is the most um easy towards trending and yeah. this I, the difference between love having celiac complications <laughs> versus w- wanting to be gluten free for whatever reason i right. think mm. you know, somebody has a peanut allergy or pine allergy or you it's mentioned avocado yeah. that that can be really dangerous to somebody course, and the yeah. same way with somebody with celiacs mm-hmm. but somebody being like i want to be gluten free it's kind of like okay i Please let me know you're serious, and I will do something. Yeah, but there, if you're just saying that, get the fuck out of my restaurant. <laughs> nah, yeah, I mean, there's definitely you can't. No, you can't. I'm not saying well, you should, but I'm saying like we're in an environment like if somebody tells you they have a peanut allergy in Milwaukee, they might die from their food. Somebody tells you they don't <laughs> eat gluten in Los Angeles, they're probably just being an asshole. Yeah, have a tummy ache. That's all. I mean, that's fine. I don't want to give yeah. you a tummy. Well, I yeah, mean, there's, I, there's I definitely. Every, there's, I, I have a gluten allergy, and I'll get a little. I get it kind of a migraine sometimes after I eat gluten, and then there's like I'm. I'm throwing been up. Been diagnosed yeah, yeah. by a doctor. I'm barfing. I've done blood tests. I have <laughs> this issue. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I, I, I don't really mind it either way. So, you know, I just want people to be happy about yeah. it, you know, and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But it's just, it's interesting, like thing that just has developed a lot, like within, within food. You know, I don't, I got You know, it's like it reminds me of like the days of like the Atkins diet. You know, like, you know. Just, Everybody avoid, better times. Yeah, you know, like eat, just eat. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Ribeye every night. You know, like, <laughs> sounds like but, a lot of work. Now that's well, just the paleo diet. But, um, well, um, so now, so you were saying before you don't, you didn't really eat that much when you were, when you were younger. Yeah. What what is your what are your eating habits now? Like when you wake up in the morning, what do you have for breakfast before you head off to work? Well, usually I would say I wake up in the morning and then I recap the night, try to remember what happened. <laughs> yeah, and then uh make sure I didn't fire anybody or disrespect anyone. Uh <laughs> the prep list is good, you know, I'm not walking into anything crazy. Everybody's gonna show up. Then I usually uh walk my dogs. Yeah, and then I go for a run. After that, I think about the menu for the day, stop by somewhere. and uh, So I have this thing I've been doing, uh, 1,001 small plates. So for about a year, I've done a small plate, a different one every day. Oh. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So I've been doing that. So I kind of 
figure out what I'm going to do for the day, or I just buy like some sort of ingredient, you know, whatever I can on my walk or or have in house, you know, mm-hmm. and I just put it on the pass. And, like while I'm cooking, you know, I just like, what do you Look. want me to do with you? Should I fry you? Should I roast you? Do you want to be baked? Like, <laughs> and I just think about it that way, and then whatever just happens with it, you know, it's kind of it's kind of like a weird. Like, okay, what did you do today then? Well, I didn't work today. Yeah. Sunday. Yeah. Sun- it was Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. When was the last time you worked? Uh, I worked Sunday night. Was yeah. That was a lot. That that was our biggest weekend of the year. So, well, not our biggest weekend of the year, but it was kind of a uh, Valentine's Day, big weekend. Very in the yeah. Village. Yeah. Very very elf. We were, Valentine's well, Day celebration. Very romantic. We yeah. We last year we were sold out all week. This year same thing, but. Uh, we did. We do now on Thursdays. My sous chef is some crazy Spaniard from the Canary Islands, mm-hmm. <laughs> who's in some weird boner band. Sorry, <laughs> uh, but after hiring him, you know, he, you know, being my wingman, I was like, wait a minute. I have this perfectly good Spaniard next to me who never done paella, which yeah. is, you don't ever say that, but paella. So we do paella on Thursdays. And I, I oh, thought nice. like there's not a lot of places on the east side to get a good like paella, you know. So I have this guy mm, from yeah. Canary Islands. So uh, yeah, Wednesday was slammed. Thursday we do paella night, and then Friday or other crazy night. Then uh, Saturday night, we did uh, a prefix for Valentine's Day called a night in Morocco. Mm-hmm. So did six-course meal doing that, and then the same again on Friday, on Sunday. So it's been pretty blasted. But, yeah. So that was well, it. So I just pretty much infinite it out. It was like a baby just eating and crying and sleeping <laughs> for the last few days. <laughs> What what was your favorite dish from the prefix menu? Uh, what was the favorite one? Hmm. Actually, I did. Uh, I don't know the name of the dish, uh, but in Morocco they have a, a rice pudding. But uh, I experimented with uh, with the cinnamon Savory. risotto, which is like you know, the, the risotto man. But anyways, anyways, but what I did was I cooked the risotto the same way you would like normally. You know, it's like seven minutes out to fire. Uh, and then what, uh, instead of using, um, you know, like a certain type of veg stock, I just used water, uh, peppermint, uh, cinnamon, and uh, razahanut, and that's the stock, and you just keep stirring it. And then after wait till it's done to the consistency of like a risotto, you hold it. Yeah. And then I made a, a, a chocolate mousse, a rose water chocolate mousse, almond paste, uh, and then rose petals. That's it. Simple. Que sexy. But, yeah, it was good. Wow, that's a yeah. great, very romantic, uh, inspiring flavor profile. Yeah, for my Italian right? chefs would like beat me in the face if yeah, they were something. Right. <laughs> Desecrate the risotto. Yeah, it's good. Uh, just I the idea it. of a peppermint risotto is yeah. pretty fucking wild. Rose petals too. That's great. Cinnamon, yeah, all that. Mm-hmm. So, so nice. we mentioned this before. I mentioned before, but for somebody making risotto for the first time, I always say that two rules can make every risotto basically edible. Okay. And that's if you always keep whatever stock you're going to add hot to yeah, temperature. Completely hot. And, and whatever recipe you're looking at, if it calls for a certain amount of liquid, add gradually and yeah. never stop stirring. Well, and if you do those two things, you're probably going to end up with something edible. You're not going to ruin something with a really gummy, gross yeah. wash rice, stuff like that. But 
I, I actually, well, what being, would be other tips? Being, being trained by Italians, like I learned risotto like really the hard way. Anyways, there's a yeah, lot yeah, of yeah. A lot of Italian breath on my ear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, whatever. But there's definitely a certain art to it. I remember when I first was doing it um, with uh, you know the guys from Italy that I worked with at Soho would be like, everything is eight minutes out. Uh, and I was like, well, what if I have eight risottos? Am I supposed to just time each one on my timer? I was like, okay, look on my clock, like eight minutes, eight minutes, eight minutes, eight <laughs> minutes. And it's like, it doesn't work that way. You need to stir it every one. Uh, I was like, this is impossible. I don't have eight arms. You know? <laughs> so anyways, the part of it with, with any sort of pasta, like whether it's a risotto or like a, a noodle pasta, like you have, there's only two ways to do it properly. You always have to emulsify with either olive oil or with uh, Parmesan. That's the way you do it. But the best way to do it in the kitchen is like what you have to do is you have to take with one hand, you flip it in the air, and then while you're flipping it in the air, you have the olive oil dripping into it. So what happens is the is like the um, the uh, molecules that are falling they combine like with the air and the fat like through the air. So that what gives it like a pasta, like a creamy sauce, you know. Risotto once the starch is broken, you have to do the same thing. You have to flip it in the air, and then you do it with a, either an olive oil, depending on what it is, or a parmesan, you know. Yeah, I've, the thing seen is, the, I've seen the risotto flipping where they just literally throw it so, in the air and catch it back and yeah. throw it in the air and catch it back. Well, you need to come to Elf and see it, but anyways. So wow. you're, doing that, yeah. you're doing that method over at Elf? Always, yeah. Amazing. Yeah, but so the, the reason why you do that is, learn that is because when the fat goes through the air, the molecules combine to make the sauce creamy, whether it's pasta or risotto or whatever, anyways. But then also, like, you know, being... An Angelino American kid, I have to question everything. So mm-hmm. I asked my, you know, Italian mentor. It's like, so you mean to tell me, like, your grandmother, who's like ninety years old, <laughs> is in her kitchen, you know, flipping pasta through the air with her hand? It's like, it is not the, you know, it's not, it's, it's the best way, but it's not the only way. So when I went to work in Berlin, I worked the pasta section there, and it was with me and two Italians as well. And so uh, one time, just to you know get back at them about it, like I saw one of the pasta cooks like stirring a risotto with a with a metal spoon because you always have to use a wooden, wooden spoon. Yeah. Wooden spoon, yeah, yeah. But the thing is, the Italians are not really big into science, so like <laughs> they're stirring it with the with the metal spoon. And I was like, hey, hey, you know. Why are you stirring it with a wooden spoon? He's like, uh, with the metal spoon. I was like, you need a wooden spoon. He's like, you know, it's, uh, the wooden spoon. It's uh, it's uh, not not the only way. You can you can use the uh, the metal spoon. And I was like, well, your grandma wouldn't have done that, would she? <laughs> <laughs> but the chef. So the grandma card, you can play it both ways. Yeah, it goes both ways. So you you can use the wooden spoon and you can stir it. But the chef there was also from River Cafe and he was English and they believe in science. And so the science behind using the wooden spoon is because when you touch metal against the metal rim of the pot, the alkalines will attract and it turns the rice gray. Yeah. So that's why you use a wooden spoon because otherwise the rice will be tinny. You know what I mean? So basically like what wow. you do, you can, you can ladle you know, the rice at first yep. and then you just keep stirring it. Maybe within the last... Six, seven minutes, you have to pay attention to it. Then yeah. what you do is with the spoon, once you see the creaminess, you can kind of draw the yep. across, Pull draw the spoon, the spoon across. Yeah. yeah. 
Then you see the starch is broken, and then you just emulsify with the spoon. You don't have to flip it in the air. Just right. stir it around. That's Incorporate it. Incorporate air. Science. Well, well, well. I find risotto to be like the best catch-all for whatever is about to turn from the farmer's market in your refrigerator. Yeah. You're like, all right, I've got seven vegetables, <coughs> Parmesan, salt, cream, yeah. done. Like, this is going to use everything like, good that I have in here, and it's going to taste fantastic. It's like that and a frittata. And a frittata, yeah. exactly. <laughs> yeah. Those two yeah, things. Yeah, so torta de riso, which I, I make on Sundays sometimes. It's like whatever I have left, baked, done, cubed. It's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good risotto is a, it's an art, but it's definitely like a treat, you know, to have properly done. Do you do you ever miss working in a restaurant that has access to all of these other ingredients that aren't restricted by Elf? The proteins, you mean? Uh, with proteins? Well, just I mean, because it's a vegetarian restaurant. Well, not really. I or mean, not completely. No, I actually don't miss it at all because, well, not at all. But I mean, there's certain things like, say, I don't know, what do I miss? Uh, well, I mean, I can go anywhere and, you know, like have, you know, whatever, uh, I don't know. Not, not for eating, but for cooking. For cooking? Like, I mean, uh, like if you come if you, if you start from the French background where there's just like 10 pounds of butter and everything and you're just getting. Well, yeah, but that's what I brought to Elf was 10 pounds of butter. <laughs> yeah, there's plenty of, dude. All right, so then Elf, you're fine. You're fine. Yeah, yeah, I'm good. Th- those are some yeah. rich meals I've had at Elf well, before you got there. There was plenty of butter there before. But. No, no, I don't, I don't, you know, honestly, like, it's funny because when I, uh, you know, interviewing people to work, you know, at Elf has been tough because people that come from meat backgrounds, you know, like I always say, you know, anybody, you can throw a steak, you know, on the grill in like Mm -hmm. five minutes and it's medium rare. And like, like I said earlier, throw a sauce on it. Like that's, that's easy, you know, but to like work with, you know, vegetables and like, we don't use, like, we don't cop out, you know. We don't cop out and use tofu or tempeh no. or soy, nothing of that. Like, everything right. is, like, from the earth, you know. Mm-hmm. So there's no, like, fake meat or tofu or anything like that. So it's kind of a, a sense of just taking the things that we know, the natural ingredients that we have, and we just really, like, play with them. And that's what I brought to Elf is, like, sort of that, you know, the the flavor of what I know and I've been trained in. You know, and I bring that into this sort of vegetarian aspect. Like I always consider Elf to be like not like really so much as a vegetarian restaurant. It's just a good restaurant, whether you're yeah. a vegan mm-hmm. or vegetarian or you eat yeah, meat absolutely. or anything like that. And I feel like that's what it's been known as yeah. by the public as well. But I think that should be cuisine. You know, like whether you're eating vegetarian or you're eating, you know, French food mm. or you're eating, I don't know. Like I went to a great Louisiana. Uh, place like in Chinatown yesterday. It was awesome. Been like, to go there. Yeah, yeah it was good. good. It was good. The sandwiches were like the size of my arm. Big old, about big old pull boys. Yeah. What is this place? Uh, in Chinatown, next the, to Philippe's. What's it called? Little Jewel. Jewel. Yeah, little, yeah, little Jewel. Jewel. Little Jewel. Like some cat yeah, from, from, from yeah, like Orleans. full yeah. po boys and gumbos and all that stuff. Yeah, I heard it's yeah. really good. Well, I don't gotta try it. But yeah, like I said, like whatever you're doing, you know, just do it right. Like I don't. I think it's kind of a shame to like categorize restaurants as like, oh, you know vegetarian vegan this and that and the other and well well since what you're doing there is arguably taking a lot more or it's a lot more work than just you know making a tempeh burger or right. a black bean patty or whatever do you ever find i mean you have to put in a lot of work to really combine all these ingredients and, and turn it into a dish that people will be satisfied with and super special have you found that 
anything that you've made has been stolen by another restaurant? Have you seen things that you've come up with pop up on other menus before? Well, you know, the, I guess that's a pretty interesting question. I mean, I don't know. I, I think that, like, that that could be said about, you know, any restaurant. You know, like, you know well, dude, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of places that are around now that, you know, didn't use you know, Aleppo or like didn't use sumac and like I see like these ingredients like popping up in other places. Very but popular. yeah, like I didn't Glendale. It's all over Glendale. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. But I mean but in within like new places and things like that. I, I think, you know, as far as like you know, Alf has a long history of using these things and but no one at Alf, like the owners, you know, and, and myself, it's we're all rock and rollers, you know what I mean? And so in that sense, like it goes back to like you know, being a rock and roller, it's like, hey, look, I don't really care if you took our riff. Like, our songs are still awesome. Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean. Sure, like, who cares? You know what I mean. So, it's in that sense, it's like I think the whole goal is just to be the best that you can be, and like the food or your song or whatever stands for itself. Like, I really don't really couldn't be bothered with what anybody else is doing. Like, I just go and eat, and I like love the food. I, I'm yeah. just I'm happy with like, you know that. People in Los Angeles, whether they're on the same block as us or they're on the other side of town, I'm really happy that like LA has the food scene. Oh, you know, yeah. like, whether they're you know beefing off like our style or anybody's beefing off of anybody, which I don't think is the case. I think it's like, hey, look, it's it's good for like a food scene. Yeah, you know? like let's all mm-hmm. just like fucking eat and that's it. Yeah. You know? And there's and there's also when you have a community of of, of restaurants and cooks that you respect. They may not be stealing. They may yeah. be taking your influence and doing something in a different direction that you didn't see. Right. I mean, like, that's fantastic. I, well, I love mean, that it, you did that. And I, in music, yeah, you would it's, like, it's the same thing. By. Yeah, it's like I, I always used to say, like, there's only so many chords on a guitar. Yeah. You know what I mean? So you can't really say, mm-hmm. like, I stole this from you, you stole this from me. No. Like, everybody has access to the same thing. So mm-hmm. you, the only way to make yourself, I guess, like, to express yourself is to do it your own way. That's it. You know what I mean? And that's it. And, like, do it your own way and make it the best you can and be a rock star. Like whoever else wants to do it, go ahead. Well, that's how you learn yeah. playing guitar chords. You just like learn how to play somebody else's songs, then you figure it out and you start noodling around with that and it becomes your own all of a sudden. Yeah. Bang, number one hit. Yeah. <laughs> take it for a walk. Oh yeah. yeah, take that down for a walk. That's how you go from A minor to C. This is where it goes down, man. Can I do it sicker than you? So <laughs> I, have, I have a technique question. Yeah. Because I'm a huge fan of Elf. Uh, and I think what impresses me very often when I go is how perfectly a lot of the bases, all the grains are cooked perfectly. And anytime it's a bulgur, it's really couscous or lentils, brown rice, it, the texture, I know it starts at yeah. the source of the ingredients, but also something that I've tried to replicate many times and it, it, it's hit and miss and it, like for grains, you know, I'll start by washing them clear. Yeah. Starting with that. Right. And then I've tried toasting, mm-hmm. you know, before starting something in a pan, like toasting right. the rice or toasting uh, the quinoa to try and get as much moisture out before and a little bit of oil. Yeah. Uh, and, and salting before adding whatever liquid, whether it's broth or stock or water. Um, but I don't know if you want to speak well, to that. But yeah, I mean, it's, I mean it's, it's really hard to get. 
the best texture from those grains, which will ruin any good grain when yeah, it's not totally. cooked well. I, mean, I totally agree with that. Um, you know, I, I think that it depends pretty much on the grain that you're using. You know, like cer- certain grains, you know, can obviously take more times than others. Like right now, we have like a winter wheat berry salad, which mm-hmm. is which is a very delicate grain. It has to be cooked slowly. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And like, but I cook it allegrec, like which is with you know well, yeah, wine that? and lemon and lots okay. of oregano and like. Uh, that's the broth, but it takes a long time to cook that proper. When I worked in Berlin, I used to so do. You, so will you start that? Will you put that in cold water and bring no. it to temperature? Or no. Like, well, where will with, you start with, with that, that grain? You for you, a wheat berry, bring me through like start so, to finish. So okay, like uh, the wheat berry is the same, almost the same uh, as like any sort of like grain that way, like uh, like a farro, mm-hmm. you know. So farro, I used to do a farro risotto in uh, in Berlin when I worked there. But you cook them the same way. You have to like slowly blanch them, like in the broth. You know what I mean. And then you drain them after that. It's, so you'll wash. You'll wash first. Well, you don't with the with. It depends. Like a wheat berry, you, of course you rinse it, but also to like the like same thing as like uh, say quinoa, right? Mm-hmm. Quinoa. There's two ways to do it. Like you wash the quinoa, obviously. Mm-hmm. But then some people, they measure it like they would rice. You know, they put in, you know, a certain amount of, uh, you know, water with the quinoa. One cup to two cups. Liquid. Yeah, and then they cook it that way. Yeah. But one guy that, like, I really love, like, Yotam Odalengi. Like, I'm a big fan of his. Yeah, like, Odalengi. Yeah. Plenty. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. One everything. of the greats. Yeah, yeah, one of the greats. But the way he cooks quinoa is the way the people that I worked with taught me is, like, you do it as a pasta. You, uh, don't, yeah. you don't boil it together with the water so you get the water boiling infuse the water with any kind of spices you want and lots of salt lots of salt yeah and then you cook it that way i always so you've got way more liquid than you need and you're straining once you're tasting exactly exactly and then the thing is too because it's a grain you have to undercook it because it's going to carry over right five more minutes right so so as you would like say in a restaurant when you make a risotto you always cook it seven minutes uh, out you know so once you fire it you have seven minutes to get it to temperature. Or, Will you ever drop a grain in an ice bath? No. No. Mm, no. Never. That sounds... No. No. Ass, I mean, you don't really want to do that to anything. You know, like pasta, nothing. Get, like, no, yeah, really. definitely not pasta, but I was wondering if like, maybe that's something... A no, technique. The best, no. Like, the best I've never tried with that. the grain is basically like you cook it you know, until it's just about almost done, and then consider it being cooked five minutes longer. Yeah. So you drain it, and then you put it like on a sheet if you have, you know, or yeah. whatever. Spread it thin as spread soon as you thin. can. So yeah. Exactly. Little so lines through it. Trap you know? the yeah. moisture and the heat on itself. Yeah, and then let it finish. But I mean, if you do it at home, you know, it's nice to also, you know, you can put the grain and and drain it, and then just kind of stir it, you know, under cold water. Depending and is it on what enough to is. lay down on a sheet pan? Just out of the oven, or would you put it like 200 degrees in the oven real quickly? No, no. no. Yeah. You don't want to apply heat to it. But yeah, I mean, it depends on what it, what you're using it for. But yeah, I don't, I don't think so. Because sometimes I've too, heard recipes call for drying in the oven for a little while after uh, cooking. I don't know. Like yeah, I've never no. heard of that before. But yeah, also though too, a good thing that I've like I've done too, which is very like Middle Eastern, is to get rice and then you also add spices to it and bake it you know which right. is like a nice a like or... like you know clean crisp baked rice a tadik yeah so. <laughs> yeah do you guys have you guys ever done a tadik yeah done yeah, everything <laughs> within like yeah, We've a, done yeah. everything <laughs> within a year like just like do this something 
Tell oh, me. that, crisp, <laughs> that yeah. bottom crispy rice. Yeah. That stuff is the best. Yeah. That's, that's a tough the best. But, but that's a paella night there. You gotta oh, yeah? come in for. We will. How, yeah. how does wine work over there? Is it? Um, yeah. What's what's? Is it a chicken egg thing? You have a wine. You're inspired by that. Is that uh, something that the owner is well, that Scott's no, that's, thing? Yeah, that's a Scott. Well, Scott, one of the owners. Yeah, yes. one of the owners as well. Who he he's uh, taken on Dune, which is down the street as his Dune. new project. In yeah, in Los Feliz. Yeah. Right down the street. So Dune is a, a Middle Eastern street food type spot. It's really great. Only two dishes. Like That's three awesome. Right now, but it's really awesome. Scott's like holding it down over there. Uh, yeah, lamb kebab. Falafel, kebab, tabbouleh, and hummus plate. That's right. perfect. People are loving it. So it's really and, the, all the, and all the breads made to order. Yeah, everything. Yeah, on grilled. the plancha. Yeah, yeah. on the plancha. Cool. Yeah, as they say. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, with the uh, with the wine at Elf, uh, that's it's a pretty big deal. Like Scott, kind of, and you know, once they started getting when they got their wine and beer license, uh, started a biodynamic wine sort of like movement that's really important like I, I was never really a big wine drinker i guess until i got to elf that's what i was, I was curious just about yeah the hangover and like the feeling about it but all the wines that we have there at elf are like natural wines that are biodynamic wines that are local or it's basically the way that wine was made like 300 years ago so mm-hmm. we source these from like different people you know purveyors we have that are into this whole like biodynamic wine movement so a wine list is like all, always changing, you know, by what we can get in, by which purveyor and things like that. But mm. I think that's kind of a great thing with food because wine and food is so important, you know, mm-hmm. together as well. But also too, like if you're going to drink with a meal, like it should be just as clean and oh, sustainable yeah. as the meal that you're eating. You know, what what does biodynamic wine mean exactly? Well, biodynamic wines are basically like wines that are left to grow on their own, like without any sort of uh, medium of like the berry, like it's pretty much left alone to be sourced. Like, uh, so in God's hands. Yeah, in God's hands, pretty much. Mm-hmm. And some some of the wines that we have too are grown in, like with just dry farming, you know, with no water. Yeah. So no irrigation, no man-made no, irrigation. No, nothing yeah. like that. It's just all it's all done like naturally, and mm-hmm. it's a real big kind of like movement that's going on. But it's really small right now in Los Angeles. But anyways, it's it's great. It also seems very difficult. I mean, it's very locational to where the grapes are. Yeah, because a lot of terraforming to irrigation. But the, to the grow thing grapes. is, though, biodynamic wines are aren't only you know cent- like central to California. They're it's kind no. of a movement all across the world. No, that's but, what I mean. But yeah. in certain regions, you just can't cultivate grapes yeah. wherever you want, depending on the terraforming. That's the and way the God wanted it to be. It's okay. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. It's yeah. Coffee's the same way. Not every the dum dums don't get those grapes. Yeah, well, <laughs> where you came out of your mother's vagina. That's about it. Yeah. Wow. All right. Yeah, it's, it's all super weird. Yeah. Indeed. Um, all right, dude. Well, I think we're gonna wrap up. Um, yeah. Thank you so much for doing this. Yeah. Thanks for having me. That's uh, if if you if you liked what you heard, go visit him at Elf here in Los Angeles. I'm gonna be there soon. Yeah. So Elf dot com or uh, yeah, check out Elf on Instagram. And hashtag Chef Dave Martinez as well. Chef yes. Dave Martinez. But right. go to brunch. It's awesome. Oh, yeah? yeah? We will go to brunch. The Sherry okay. Bloody Mary. 
God will kill you. Really? Yeah. Yes. Oh. <laughs> I've, been, I've been wanting to drink more sherry. Yeah. I love a bloody. Yeah. What right. are the brunch hours? Saturday, Sunday? Uh, Saturday, Sunday from 11 to 3. 11 to 3. Yeah. All right. That's cool. Well, this, this weekend, gonna, you're going to see some big numbers. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thanks, guys. Uh, uh, if you if you like this show, please subscribe on iTunes. Tell a friend about it. Give us a nice rating and review. That's all we ask. And uh, mm-hmm. we'll see you guys next week. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Bang bang.